Hey, it's Pastor Mike. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to encourage you to check out our other Time of Grace podcasts, like Bible Threads with Dr. Bruce Becker. Uh, Bruce has an amazing way of going deep on some of the coolest things in the Bible, teaching us things that maybe we never learned before, despite years and years of Bible reading. If you're interested, just search for Bible Threads wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And now on to today's episode. I was holding it together right until the Ukrainian immigrant talked about his people. It was actually another Sunday right here in this church, right here in this stage. I had finished a sermon. We were about to pray the Lord's Prayer together, but first we invited up a special guest, a young man from Ukraine. He was studying to be a pastor. He had some connections to our church, but we thought since a war had just broken out between his people and the Russian people, it would be fitting for him to pray. And I was standing right next to him as I gave him the microphone and he started out with his prayer, not for his people, but about our God. And he talked about God's presence. He talked about God's mercy. He talks about uh, God's plans and his patience and all these nice things about God. But then, then he got to the emotional part. He talked about his people. I remember I was standing right next to him and when he said, Lord, please save my people. That line just hit me so hard. Because it made me think about this contrast between his people and my own people. Most of my people were sitting right here in church, on padded chairs, sipping hot coffee, making plans for their post-church brunch. While his people were running for their lives, hiding in bomb shelters, packing onto trains to cross borders, saying goodbye to husbands and sons and fathers and brothers, not sure if they would ever see each other again. And when I thought about that, the, the heartache and the drama and the brokenness of war, my, my heart broke. And maybe yours does too. I'm not sure when you're watching this video or where you're living as you watch this video, but whether you're like me reading the headlines or you're like that young man living them, it's alarming, isn't it? People are dying. People are suffering. There's rumors that this won't end anytime soon, that it actually could be catastrophic. It, it could be global. It could get much worse. It, it like shakes your head and your heart to think about. Which is why I want to share with you something from this book. Now, when you hear about wars or rumors of wars starting, it should trigger in your head something that Jesus once said the week before he died. In Matthew 24, Jesus spoke these words. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. All right, yeah, it's going to happen. Wars are going to break out. Going to be threats of other wars breaking out. But Jesus says, see to it. Make sure. Like, work hard. Do everything you have to do so that you are not alarmed. So that you don't panic so that you don't worry about it, so that you don't lose the peace that Jesus wants to give to your heart. Which seems totally unreasonable, doesn't it? I mean, if, if I'm just a guy scrolling on my phone, okay, maybe. But for my friend? For his family? For the people living in a war zone? Are you serious, Jesus? See to it that you are not alarmed? How can that be? That they're literally expecting mothers whose water is breaking as they sit in a bunker and bombs explode outside. 
See to it that you're not alarmed? Now, at first I thought that was totally crazy of Jesus to say. But then I thought of my friend's prayer. As I think back on the two parts of his prayer, I, I realized that I got emotional too late in the game. Right? It was when he said, Lord, save my people, that it really got to my heart. But do you remember what he said first? He talked about God. He talked about a God who is constant and a God who is good. A God who is present in the midst of this broken world. He talked about a God who always hears our prayers. A God who is merciful. A God who is loving. And a God who is forgiving. It was like he was preparing his own heart and his family's hearts not to freak out about the things of this world because the God we believe in is so much bigger and so much better. This wise young man didn't start by praying for my people. He started by praying to our Father. And maybe you and I can do the same. Whether you're like me, safe and sound, but just disturbed by the headlines, or you're a little bit closer, even in the midst of the, the crazy conflict of this world, before you and I live or read the news, let's open to the New Testament and read the good news. Before our hearts get sucked in and alarmed by the wars and rumors of wars, let's fix our eyes on the God who sent his only son to be our Prince of Peace. That's how Jesus' words stop being ridiculous and start becoming your reality. Or as Jesus himself said just a few days later to his friends in that upper room, I've spoken these things to you so that in me, you might find peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. Don't be alarmed. Don't lose your peace. Take heart. I have overcome the world. My dad knows exactly what war is like. Soon after he graduated from high school, my dad joined the Marines and ended up doing two separate tours in the jungles of Vietnam. As a curious little kid, I was wondered what that was like, being in the midst of a war. And so I'd ask my dad, well, what did you do? And for my entire life, even up to this very day, my dad's only answer about his experiences in war has been this. I just passed out flowers. No, really, really Dad, I, I would ask him as a kid, what, what'd you do? What was war like? I just passed out flowers. Kind of makes me wonder what, what actually happened. Uh, what memories you, you don't want to think about when you've lived through it. And I know my dad is far from the only one. A few years ago, I had a soccer teammate from Central America who was literally kidnapped as a kid, dragged into the jungle, and forced to become a murderous child soldier. I play soccer against another guy from Bosnia, uh, who told me one day on the, the bench of the soccer field about all his family members who had died in the terrible conflict in the early 90s. In, in broken English, he said, father, brother, uncle, and many more. Or think of the people from my own church who served in Iraq or Afghanistan, who still live with the scars of war and, and try to stay healthy amidst the, the conflict and the brokenness of PTSD. Maybe you too know what that's like. Maybe someone you love has served in war and, and has come home reticent and reluctant to talk about the memories of what they saw and heard and did. War is hell. 
Allegedly, that's what a Civil War general said many years ago. I know biblically that that's not technically true. Nothing on earth is technically hell because hell is hell. But if the definition of hell is being totally separate from God and his blessings, then war maybe is as close as we can get. When there's not a good night's sleep, when there's no safety, when there's no security, when there's no peace, then living through a war, fighting in a war, being in the midst of a war, kind of feels like hell. And that's why I love something that Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus, who was living in the midst of the, the Jewish and Roman tension, who was thinking and, and speaking about things to come when the Romans would besiege Jerusalem and destroy it nearly forever. In Matthew 24, Jesus spoke these words. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of birth pains. Think about that last phrase, birth pains. Pains. I mean, Jesus was brutally honest about what life on earth can be like. I'm not sure if some of you ladies have ever experienced birth pains, but they're un- unbearable, aren't they? They're torturous. Thank God for modern medicine. It- it's so bad, you just feel like you-, you can't, not even for another moment. And that's what Jesus said about this world and especially a world that's at war. You feel like you can't. You, you can't live through it. You, you can't survive another day. You can't read another headline. It breaks your heart too badly and it takes your peace. What, what some people will do for the sake of more land, more oil, more power, more money, more legacy, more influence is enough to make angels weep. But Jesus didn't just talk about pains. He talked about birth pains. You know the great thing about birth pains? Is that after the pains comes a birth. The pains might be the worst that you've ever been through, but something comes that is actually so good, so euphoric, so so beautiful, and so much better that it makes all of this worthwhile. It makes all of it actually seem small by comparison. And Jesus wants to put that image in your heart today. In Matthew chapter 24, actually, in the first I think 14 verses, Jesus uses the phrase, the end, four separate times. The end is coming. The end is coming. And then the end will come. He he knows how how bad your life can be, how how painful. You, You feel like you just can't keep going, especially in the midst of a war. But he says, when the end comes, when Jesus, who is the beginning and the end, shows up again, then war will end and pain will end. Your fear will end, your anxiety will end, your depression will end, the the pills will end, the the limps will end, the heartbreak will end, the divorce will end, the drama will end, the temptation will end, the sin will end, everything bad will end and something so good will start that it will make all of that seem small. A birth so euphoric of seeing God face to face that even if you live in the midst of war, even if you've lost loved ones to war, even if they, they dragged you into the jungle or you had things happen to you in the jungle that you don't even want to talk about with your own kids. Jesus says, don't forget this. These are just the beginning of birth pains. If you saw uh, my last video, I mentioned a, a Ukrainian immigrant who prayed right on the stage for his people. 
As soon as he was done with his prayer and I gathered my emotions, I led our church in praying the Lord's Prayer. Uh, you probably heard it before. But this time, there was, there was one little line about that prayer that caught my attention. Right near the end, we were praying to our Father and we said, Deliver us. That's probably just a coincidence of language, but I thought about that word, deliver. A delivery is what changes the pains into the birth. When the bad stuff ends and the beautiful stuff begins. And so that's my prayer for our world today. Lord, deliver us from evil. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. May you, the beginning and the end, put an end to our suffering so that our celebration can begin. Forgive me if this is naive, but war is dumb. This morning I was reading the headlines of the horrific things happening in this conflict between Russia and Ukraine and I can't, I can't make sense of it. The death count is rising. War crimes seem to be happening. Millions of people have fled their homes and I'm trying to, to answer the question, why? What was so bad about before that this had to happen? What could possibly justify all the the children who will grow up without fathers? All the people who will be living with PTSD and triggered memories for the rest of their lives? All all those sucked into a conflict? Like, how does this possibly make sense? How how do you make a pro and con list and say, yeah, this war was a great idea? But the more I think about it, maybe it shouldn't make sense. Because sin doesn't make sense. When people are are driven by themselves, they rarely sit down with a pro and con list and decide it's a really good idea in the eyes of God and other people. My sin isn't like that, is is yours? When you're frustrated or, or tired and you're tempted to say something that maybe isn't so good, do you sit down first and pause and make a list of pros and cons and then choose your words? Yeah, sin is instinctual. It's like animalistic. It's it's illogical. We, like Adam and Eve, we see something, we covet it, we take it, and it doesn't matter the consequences. It's what war is like. It doesn't make sense because it's filled with sin and, and sinful people. But there's something that, that Jesus said that I want to draw your attention to today. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus was thinking of wars and rumors of wars and and he was honest just how unthinkable and illogical and difficult life on earth could be. Here's what Jesus said. Then you, you followers of Jesus, will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. That's bad, isn't it? He didn't say, well, someone may poke fun at your face on social media. No, he said persecuted, handed over, put to death, hated. Not by just one or two bad apples, but many will do this. Many false prophets will appear. The love of most will grow cold because of the increase of wickedness. It, it, it like freaks you out, doesn't it? Like, is the world going to get worse? 
Yeah, before you and I are alarmed and before we, we panic at another terrible headline that doesn't make sense to us, I, I want to let Jesus finish the thought. Here's what he said. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Jesus gave us this incredible promise that you might be living in a relationship right now or in a family right now that is overtaken by senseless sin. You might be living in a culture right now or in a country right now where wickedness seems to be increasing and people's love and patience and compassion seems to be decreasing. You might be persecuted, you might be hated, you might even be put to death by people who want more for themselves. But Jesus said, don't be alarmed and don't panic. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this is what the saints of old used to sing about. If you're freaking out about the headlines these days, I want to encourage you to put down your phone or your tablet to turn off your TV and just read the Psalms. Because David, who was running for his life, who was hated, persecuted, hunted, who was attempted to be put to death, he would often find joy in the fact that he would be saved. God was his refuge and his strength, his tower and his song. David would say things like, if if God is for me, what should I be afraid of? (laughs) If God is on my side, if I can run to him and my soul can be safe, what could man possibly do to me? And Jesus, who is the son of David, wants you to think and believe just like David. You might be hated, your heart might be broken, but don't panic and don't lose your peace. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Even in the midst of this, even if you are living in the midst of a war zone, you are blessed because of Jesus. That's what my daughter wants to tell you. Uh, A couple months ago, my my daughter made me this bracelet. Uh, Stitch it in black and white string. And when you look at this side of the bracelet, it's kind of a jumbled, confusing mess, isn't it? Little black and white knots strings crossing all over each other just doesn't look right. It's confusing and disorienting. But I see something that you don't. I see the the other side of it. Perfectly stitched letters, intentionally chosen. What seems like a mess from one perspective is, is perfectly designed from the other. And friend, I want to promise you today that this is what God sees. We see the brokenness of this world, wars, rumors of wars, the persecution of the church, but God knows that he has a plan in the end to bless you. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said, but take heart, you are blessed because he has overcome the world and all of you who stand firm to the end will be saved. Have you ever seen the picture of that lone Chinese man standing in front of a line of tanks. It's this iconic snapshot from years ago because it is a thrilling picture of of courage and a man who is standing firm. Just an average-looking slender guy. I think he was wearing black pants and a white shirt. He's all by himself in front of these, these machines that could easily crush him and kill him. But there he is and he stands firm. The lead tank gets within feet of his face, but he doesn't move, he doesn't wobble, he he doesn't run. He stands firm. I heard actually the lead tank tried to back up and go around him, so he shuffled to the side, positioned himself right in front of the tank again, and he stood firm. 
That picture in the context of it makes me think of something that Jesus said in Matthew 24. He said, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Jesus said you could be living in in Ukraine right now in the midst of war. Love could be completely gone from within your borders. But if you stand firm to the end, you will be saved. They can take your house, they can take your stuff, they can take your life. But if you stand firm in your faith that there is a God who is good, a God who saved you by his son, you will be saved. You will win in the end. Which can't be easy, can it? Uh, I've never been anywhere close to living in the midst of a war. But I, I have to imagine that it is so hard to stand, not just when you're facing physical threats, but when you're facing spiritual ones because of them. I mean, war has to tempt you to wobble, doesn't it? Instead of being a loving, selfless person when, when you're running for your life to become selfish, to let your love grow cold and your wickedness increase just like theirs, like lie to whoever you have to just to survive, steal a piece of bread just to, to feed your kids even if they're starved, look out for number one, stop caring about it. That has to be a, a fierce temptation. And even if you're like me and you're, you're just reading the headlines, the temptation is real too, huh? We believe that God is good, that God has a plan, that God sees everything, knows anything, can do everything. So the fact that this stuff happens, that this world is so broke, why doesn't God, why doesn't God fix it? Why doesn't God just trump all the villains and let the innocent people survive? We're tempted to not stand firm in our faith too. Is, is that true? Are we naive to believe all that? How do we stand firm in our faith when the evidence every single day tells us maybe something different? The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. That's why today I want to give you a big challenge. I want you to pray that people in the midst of war would stand firm. I want you to pray that no matter what happens to them physically, that they would stand firm spiritually. I want you to pray that even if their bodies are being bombed and run over by tanks, that their souls would stand like that Chinese man and not be afraid because what can man do to me if I am loved by God? In other words, I want you to craft your own prayer based on these words from the Apostle Paul. He said this, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That's what I want you to pray. I'd love for you to pray as soon as this video is done in your own head. But if I can actually ask you to do something even better, if you're on social media right now, would you jump into the comment section and would you pray in print? And my hope and my bold prayer to God is that he would somehow take your words and get them to the people who are tempted to wobble in the midst of war. 
that somehow, through some link or some like or some share, there, there's someone who's being tempted to give up their faith and it's your prayer over these words that would help them put on the full armor of God and pick up the shield of faith just before the devil's flaming arrow takes their faith from them. Brothers and sisters, some people need courage. Let's encourage each other with prayer. And let me lead you right now. Dear God, there's someone right now who is standing with their toes right over the edge of unbelief. We don't know necessarily who they are. We don't know where they are. We don't know what they're going through, but you do. And so we ask you right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help them put on the full armor of God so they can take their stand. Because you have promised through your one and only Son that the one who stands firm to the very end will be saved. We pray all these things in our Savior's name. Amen. Last Christmas, a man from Afghanistan showed up right here in our church in Appleton, Wisconsin. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever visited my beautiful home of Appleton, but we don't have a ton of people from Afghanistan who live here, so uh, this man caught my attention. I noticed him even from a distance because he was wearing that uh, traditional Afghan clothing. A picture of the white button-up suit that reaches down to the, the mid-thigh, matching white pants. And so I made sure after the service was over to introduce myself and to say hi. He spoke very, very, very little English. But through a combination of just a few English words and the help of Google Translate, I learned what brought him from Afghanistan to Appleton. War. Having worked with the U.S. government, this man feared that the Taliban would kill him and his family. So he fled. And through an odd series of events, he ended up right here in the place where I live, in Appleton, Wisconsin, the United States of America. Yeah, I've gotten to know this man uh, pretty well over the past few months. And the closer I've gotten to know him, the more my heart breaks for his situation. The more I see up close and personal just how much this war has cost him. I mean, he's doing his best to learn English, but he doesn't speak English. And it's a, an incredibly difficult language. His wife, when she came, was, was pregnant. And she speaks even less English than he does. He, he can go out and, and try to make conversation, but she's stuck in her home next to neighbors who might love her, but they can't speak to her and, and she can't speak back to them. He's trying to take an American driver's test. I was there on the website when he was trying to answer the questions. Which infraction would violate the law? He left behind his friends, his parents, his home, his everything. War took so much from him. You know, it's so discouraging to think about what war does to our world. It seems like it takes and 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 it takes. But before I forget about Jesus' words and end up disturbed and alarmed and overcome with the heartbreak of it all, I remember this little line that Jesus spoke in Matthew 24. He said there will be wars and rumors of wars. Yes, nations and kingdoms will rise against each other and fight. And he said, yes, wickedness will increase and the love of most will grow cold. But then Jesus said this in verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. The gospel will be preached. 
in the midst of all the conflict and all the craziness, the stuff that, that doesn't make sense, the gospel will be preached to all the nations. And if you know a little bit about the Bible, this is exactly what God has been doing for a long, long time. Remember Ruth from the Old Testament? That young woman was living in, in Moab, not far from Israel, in a place where the God that most people worshipped demanded the sacrifice of children. But what happened? Famine, hardship, suffering drove this Israelite family into her midst where she came to know their God, a God of patience and mercy, a God of love and a God of grace. And when she came back, there was heartbreak and heartache. There, there were funerals, multiple ones in her family. But God would use Ruth to be the great-great-grandmother, was it, of, of King David, the ancestor of Jesus. In the midst of the war, God was bringing the gospel to the nations. Or think about the New Testament. Remember Saul hunting down the Christians, trying to destroy that young church? What happened when he brought his own personal version of war to that vulnerable little flock? The gospel got to the nations. The apostles scattered to Samaria and beyond. They, they reached with the good news of Jesus to the very ends of the earth. It didn't make it easy. It didn't make it less painful, but it did remind us that God always has a purpose. The love of most might grow cold, but this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. As I think about this conflict between Russia and the Ukraine, or whatever wars are to come in my lifetime, I remember that. People leave their homes, they leave their families, they leave their friends. They suffer in almost unbelievable ways to cross borders and flee for safety. But is it, is it possible that the God who is over everything, a God who is sovereign and in control, would use those moments to bring people into something they never would have heard otherwise? I believe that. Do you? Makes me think of my friend. Soon after he moved to Appleton, our, our church kind of rallied its resources to help him with furniture and with carpet and with toys for his kids and with, with food and with gift cards. And before we delivered this big gift to him, I, I did a quick Google search and I found a copy of the Gospel of John in his native language. That Gospel that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in that Son would not perish but have eternal life. I wonder, before that moment, had my friend ever heard those words? Had he ever held a copy of the Gospel of John? I'm not sure, but I do know that Jesus was right. This gospel will be preached to all nations and then the end will come. Brothers and sisters, do not be alarmed at wars or rumors of wars. God knows exactly what he's doing. Just like at the cross, he's taking human evil and selfishness and he's flipping it for a greater good. In this world, we might have trouble, but take heart. Our Jesus has overcome the world.